Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm April Fallon. Enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, this is April Fallon, your host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story on your adoption show. We are in the new year. Yay. If you're new to Adoption Now, welcome. We are a community of adoptees, birth parents, and adoptive parents. And I have learned that those of you listening are wanting to learn all aspects of adoption. And I'm really glad that we're on this journey together. There is a lot to learn. As the adoptive mom of four children, I know what it's like to want to know more, to do better, right? We want to learn so that we can be better parents, so that we can be more understanding, so we can have empathy. And I'm constantly learning new things from the show. I love getting messages like this. Hi, April. Your show has been the driving force in our adoption. We suffered infertility for years, stillborn, and one failed match. We waited through COVID to adopt, and with the help of your show, Most of our adoption was funded, and we have an amazing open adoption. We finalized in November. Thank you. I've listened to every single episode, some more than once. Thank you so much. Would love to share our story. Blessing to you and yours. Well, guess what? Today, she's our guest. (laughs) That's right. Sharon, welcome to the show. You're from Georgia, right? I am. Thank you for having me. Thank you for writing in. All of that is absolutely true, too. I listen to it, <laughs> and it's absolutely true, every single word. I'm so grateful for your show. It- I'm so glad. Thank you so much. I'm glad that this helped you in the waiting process and that you learned a ton for the journey you were about to go on. First of all, I want to say that you are the host of your own podcast, the Unwanted Sisterhood Podcast. What's that about? So basically, I went through IVF for several years, and it's a lonely process. And I didn't find out to coming out of it how many other women are going through the same things and the same challenges. And I realized, you know, it's a sisterhood because it's all of us going through the same thing, sometimes at the same times, but no one wants to be in that sisterhood. So that's where the name came from. But we talk about everything IVF, everything anything pertaining to the the journey to motherhood. So it's been really good um, because it's a community, um, but it's definitely needed. So that's how it started. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that you say it's unwanted too, because that is a really hard process. And when women are just starting the journey and they find out that they're in that sisterhood, it is something that they have to go through and accept, right? And just be like, no, I didn't want to be in this category. But now that you are, you can find community and love and encouragement. Right. Love that. Let's start with your journey. So you went through infertility in the very beginning, correct? Correct. So... um. I we knew in the beginning um, that I would probably have some challenges. So me and my husband decided not to have a really big wedding because we were not sure of what we would face financially. So um, we chose to have a small wedding. We had been together for almost six years before we got married. So we kind of just knew what we wanted. So um, we got married in 2013. 
And right away, we started doing blood work, um, going to the doctor, getting checked out. Um, they told me that I could have my own children, but it would be a longer process because I have one closed fallopian tube. And I didn't know at the time that you ovulate differently depending on what side. I didn't know mm-hmm. any of that. So we did that for a year because they want you to st- to do your own or to keep trying for a year and nothing was working. So we started out on IVF. And um, we spent a lot of money. We did two rounds. It didn't work the first time, but the second time it worked. And when it worked, I was pregnant with twins. <gasps> so I had a pretty simple um, pregnancy, no issues at all. Um, I only gained 40 pounds. Very, very easy pregnancy until the end. And at the end, I went into labor. Well, I had a C-section at 37 weeks, and my daughter was stillborn, and my son made it. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. What happened? To this day, we don't know. We spent thousands of dollars on testing, but they were never able to tell me because she was actually the one that was healthy. I had them early because of him because he had stopped growing. I had them on a Friday, but they told me that she had passed away about 18 hours before delivery. So oh, I never no. Right. And did you have all the stuff? All the things, everything. Mm. So it was a process because I had to, uh, it was the happiest day of my life and the worst day of my life at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I had to grieve because I wanted twins. I always wanted twins. I prayed to God for twins and he gave it to me. So I was like, I was upset at God a little bit because I'm like, how could you give me what I wanted? I go through all these things to to get there. And then, but I had to accept that her life, she, she came so that my son could and she served her purpose. And that's what has kind of helped us deal with that. But mm-hmm. yes, it, it was a, we had all the things like my, my sister-in-law, everybody came, they went home before I did and moved everything pink just so I wouldn't be, um, mm, sad. Be, right. Um, mm-hmm. but I had to show up cause my son was here. So, you know, I had right. to pull it together because it wasn't his fault and he, he made it. So we got through it. Okay. How much did he weigh? He weighed five pounds, four ounces. She weighed five pounds, nine ounces. Oh, they were just tiny. Mm-hmm. What'd you name him? His name is Carter and her name is Carrington. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So you bring Carter home and you're just so happy to be a mom, but you're so sad. Right. Um, my mom was there because she had agreed to stay with us for a year. So she was a tremendous help. She helped us through the process. And um, we just took one day at a time. But I, I, I definitely had to grieve the process of not having two. Right. And, you know, but yeah. Did you think that you could just try again? Did you want to get pregnant again? Yes. Yeah, so after we waited a year and we did IVF two more times and it didn't work. And so at that point, oh gosh. I got my tubes uh-huh. flushed. Yeah, I, I did everything. I did everything that they, because I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working when it worked so easily mm-hmm. the first time. 
Um, but nothing I did work. I got my tubes flushed. We did acupuncture. I had uh, a car, uh, a fertility chiropractor, massage, everything, and it didn't work. I just am amazed at everything women put their bodies through on top of mm-hmm. this grief right? And this longing for a baby and then all the things that they go through. I'm sure you talk about that in your show, but just, you know, all the treatments and all the hormones. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it's got to be so exhausting and it takes a toll on your marriage too. Right. And I always tell people from the beginning, you have to be solid because you, because even though your husband is there and he's walking alongside of you, he will not understand every shot, every appointment every ultrasound because it's not happening to him you have to be solid because if you're not because even when I wanted to give up he kept pushing me so and that helped me because a lot of times I didn't I wanted it to be done Mm -hmm. I was I was over and you tell yourself you don't know how you'll go through it but somehow you muscle enough strength to do it again because you hope you're hopeful you wanted a baby you want to complete your family. So you're willing to almost do anything to do it. So how many years? How many years did you do this for? A total of um, five. Okay. So at this point, Carter is five? Now Carter is seven. Oh, but where, where, how old was he when you're still trying to get pregnant? And then you decided, you know what, enough is enough. Five. Okay. So at five, when did you start to go, all right, I'm going to not do this and look towards adoption. I started feeling like that when he turned five. um, And I had asked my husband about adoption. And he said, well, you know, we let's still try, you know, because they were telling us the whole time that we could do it on our own. So he was like, let's still try. But in my mind, I, I was like, I'm done. I can't, I can't, I can't do it anymore. But I asked him about adoption and he, he just wasn't there yet. So I just continued to pray. Mm-hmm. And when Carter turned six, I guess this was right when COVID started, I had a aunt that passed and my aunt was an adoptive mother. Oh. And I went to her, right. Okay. And I went to her funeral and I watched my cousin grieve and he took the last three months off of work and he took care of her and I witnessed love and I was like I that's what I want like it doesn't matter how you whether you bring a child into this world naturally like you can be a mother and that love can exist without you actually having a child and my husband went with me to the funeral because it was in North Carolina. We live in Georgia. And on the way back home, we just talked because it's a six hour drive. And I we just talked and I didn't ask him. I was just telling him about, you know, everything that happened. And when we got home, I asked him again and he said yes. Wow. It totally changed him. It totally changed him. And I ran. I didn't ask, I didn't ask, well, how did you and why did you know? Immediately the next day, I started researching. You were on it. I was on it. And did you think I got to find this baby girl? I yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. There was a part of you that was missing that 
and you were going to find her, so to speak. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. I also want to say that I feel like sometimes Noah and I and our children are kind of exactly what your aunt and cousin were, is that people are watching us to see what adoption is like. Like, are those kids normal? Mm -hmm. And then people will say, Mm -hmm. your kids are so nice. Like, they're so surprised Mm -hmm. that adopted kids could be nice Mm -hmm. or that there could be love or, you know, that AJ, I mean, he is our son, right? And he acts like our son, but they're watching. They're watching to see Mm -hmm. if this looks natural. And then they're happy to find out, yes, oh my gosh, you you really do function like a family. <laughs> We're like, because we are a family. But sometimes you just have to see it because there are preconceived ideas of what adoption is or how kids are treating their parents and vice versa. And so really being an example, and even through her death that she inspired you to go forward and your husband is mm-hmm. such a God thing. Like what an amazing mm-hmm. way that that worked together for you guys. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So you start researching and what does that look like? You're going to find an agency? Yes. Because I know nothing about it because my, I have, we have adoption in our family, but it's mostly kinship. So I knew nothing about the process. I've had a couple clients who had went through it, but we never discussed what it, in you know, it detailed. So I Mm -hmm. called an adoption agency And right away, she said, oh, we would be ecstatic to have you get your application in and let's go. So I they sent me a list of things to have or get ready for your home study. And I started working on the list. Wait, did you have any clue how expensive it was? Not. Well, I can't say that. I expected it because I had looked it up when I started researching, but we had spent so much money on IVF. My husband was mm-hmm. like, we can do this, but you're going to have to get some grants. Like mm-hmm. you, you're going to have to figure it out. And surprisingly ne- money was never like, that was never anything that I thought about because I felt like this was something that God was involved in and he was going to make a way. So I never, even though when I was listening and I would hear the amounts of money, it didn't scare me. I don't know why it mm-hmm. didn't scare me. It should have, but I never thought about that part. What scared you? The process. Mm-hmm. Um, the paperwork, the home study, the paperwork, and the the rejection part. I just wanted to mm. make sure it was going to work because I had been. Because you hear no in IVF, you start hearing no a lot. And you start getting voicemails a lot of saying it didn't work. And I just couldn't. I was on the line. I couldn't take no too many more times. So that part scared me more than anything. Mm-hmm. And and the process of waiting, did you think, wonder how long we're going to have to wait? Right. But then the first agency that, talked to, that we talked to was like, you won't have a problem because you're African-American family and we need African-American families. So you won't have a problem. So she kind of gave me, well, we'll find out later false hope because okay, she made it seem like it wouldn't be hard. Okay. So you thought this was going to be fast, but the thing that scared you was actually process and would have birth mom changed her mind kind of thing. Right. 
right? And, uh, being afraid of another loss, which is completely normal. Right. So you start the paperwork. I mean, 2020 is a crazy time to start an adoption process. Right. Like really difficult on top of difficult. But the pandemic definitely slowed things down. Right. I didn't know that at the time. And we, I'm in the beauty industry and my husband owns a gym. So we had the time because our industries had slowed down. Oh, right. Because it was close. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So tell us about your first match. So our first match, um, we ended up having two agencies because I got my home study done independently of an agency because of COVID. Um, Because a lot of the agencies were closed. So I went the independent route. So I could, because I remember you saying that sometimes agencies will hold on to your home study. And I didn't want that to happen. So I went to an independent social worker and got my home study done so that I could take it anywhere. Oh, good. So we had one agency and they didn't have any, um, they didn't have a lot of activity. So she referred us to another agency. So they called us. They told us that they had an African-American girl. The mom was 27 years old. She only lived about an hour away from you. They wanted to know if that was okay. I said, yes, that's fine. Cause I wanted to open adoption. Um, so we agreed to it and um, we filled out our paperwork. We got everything done because our home study, we got matched in April, the day that our home study um, expired. Was finished? Right. Oh, expired? Right. So we had to redo our home study over again. Oh, okay. Because we got matched the day of the, the last day. Okay. What year is this at this point? This is 21. Okay. So your home study lasted one year. Right, because we started in 2020. Okay, gotcha. We had to rush and redo that, but as long as you already had a home study, you could be, you could apply for an extension. Be eligible. Right. So okay. um, it took her two weeks to decide, and that kind of threw me a little bit. Not, I expected that because I know that this is one of the biggest decisions that a birth mother or expectant mom will ever make. So I expected it, but like they kept calling her and she was saying that she was still thinking about it. So come to find out she had a sister who she was trying to decide if she was going to allow her to adopt her child and not us. Oh no. Well, they should not. Oh, they didn't know. The agency didn't know that that was happening. They didn't know. Okay. So, and she already had. But if, if she's waiting like two weeks, I feel like the agency, I don't know. I wonder if they were thinking, gosh, we should not have matched her. Right. Because now that she has to wait, usually it's not two weeks. It's usually two weeks maybe after right. she gives birth, but usually not in this process. Right. So that made me a little weary because for one, I didn't, I, even though I know that's a decision, but I don't want to feel like I forced you. So they basically gave her a time limit and they said, you have until 1.30 p.m. on a Wednesday, I'm just going to say. And she called them at 1.37 and said yes. So we were supposed to meet the next week. And me and my husband took off work. We met at the location and she didn't show up. Oh, no. 
And was that your sign? So then I was, that was my sign. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is not, even though I knew that and I heard that, you still have this little glimpse of hope because because the um, social workers kept saying, well, you know, sometimes birth moms do this, you know, you know, they go back and forth, they leave, they come back. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to keep praying, you know, praying her through. But me and my husband was like, this doesn't feel right. So the week of Mother's Day, she calls and says she changed her mind. Oh, no. That's the worst. The very thing that you were afraid of, right? Right, right. How did you handle that? We went to the beach. Okay. <laughs> I, I find We find our solace with water and sand. So we just went to the beach and... And let it go. And and at that point, I questioned, and I'm like, okay, God, I maybe I didn't hear you correctly. Maybe I thought this was supposed to be, but maybe it's not. How do I get these people all this money back? Because mm-hmm. I can't do this. I, I just can't. I, I don't think I can go through this. Did you lose money? No. Okay. Because with that agency, um, once they you just transfer the same amount of money to the Okay. Situation. Hey, everybody, ask that question with your agency. Yes. If birth mom changes their mind, where does the money go? Because sometimes it's a complete loss. I mean, we've lost up to $10,000. So just make sure that they are transferring, that they're able to do that so that you're not out. Because that's a a double loss to me. You not only lost the hope of having a baby, but now you lost money too. Yes. Because I turned the situation in Florida down because the matching fee was $15,000. And if she changed her mind, we wouldn't get our money back. Oh my gosh. So I said, no, I can't, (laughs) I can't do this. I I can't. Okay. So how long after did you get matched again? We had a a whole year that we had our home study done that we had no activity. Okay. And then then you get matched. Redo it. Okay. And then we. Okay. So we're talking about May, May, 2022. Okay. Gotcha. So I took the month of June off because I just could not. I just couldn't. I didn't like they were calling and asking about my paperwork. And and I'm not that type of person. But for some reason, I just could not do it. So I literally I I run every day. And I remember it, this was on a Tuesday <clears throat> and I was about to run and I just stopped and I said, God, I'm done. If this is going to happen, it has to absolutely be you. I don't want no parts in it because I need to know that it's you. So that was on a Wednesday. On Thursday, I'm at work and I get a text message and it says, Hi, Sharon. Just wanted to check with you. We have a situation. Um, We want to know if you're interested. And this was in July. And what did you feel like? I said, (laughs) I don't know. She says, so she says, I'm going to send you the paperwork and let me know what you want to do. So I saw the paperwork and I said, okay, she was 35 years old. This was her first child, her first placement. And she wanted someone to be able to do her baby girls here. I'm a cosmetologist. Oh my gosh. So I said. That's I told my husband, amazing. I said, ooh, we're shoe in. <laughs> I can do hair. That's one thing I'm good at. I can do this. 
<laughs> so she, we said, I said yes. She sent the paperwork. So then they sent out this mass email and they say, <clears throat> you know, she's going to take the paperwork home. Expect the mom's going to take the paperwork home over the weekend. This is for 4th for of July weekend. She's going to take the paperwork home on the weekend and then she's going to make a decision and let you know. So I, I'm I'm in the waiting game now. I, I know how it works, so I don't expect to hear anything. After the email, we automatically get a call back and she says she picked you. Like, just like that. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. <laughs> but I didn't let myself get excited. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I said thank you, but I didn't. It, it made me feel better because she was older. And, you know, if you're 35, you've made the dis- your decision like it's well thought out. Mm-hmm. Like, right. you know what you can do, what you can't do. So that made me feel good, but I still wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing that people so, don't understand is that just because they pick you doesn't mean they're actually going to place. Right. So it's many times where you're like, yay. Oh my gosh. Yay. Oh my gosh. Like it's just so continuous where you are excited and then like anxious and that, you know, it's like a whole thing. So we only went up like the first hurdle here. We've got, we've got a ways to go. When was she due? You match in July. When was she due? She was due in July. What? So like you didn't have that long to wait either, which is great. No, but I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. Oh, so right. So because this was Fourth of July weekend, everybody goes on va- vacation. I didn't know this. <laughs> everybody in the adoption world goes on vacation the first week of July. <laughs> right, which when is when a lot of babies are born. Right. So a whole week of July goes by, but it's fine because I'm I'm still having to get paperwork into them. Did you tell your family? Did you tell Carter? No. I- you weren't going to no. tell anybody. You weren't going to jinx it. I no, I didn't tell anybody because here's the thing, especially when you come from a very close-knit family, they feel what you feel and they want to protect you. So they knew everything we had been through when it came to IVF. So even my best friend was like, are you going to, after the first match didn't work out, she was like, are you going to do this again? I don't think you should do it again. So I knew <laughs> then I couldn't tell yeah. anybody. I remember my was, mom said that to me. Are you sure you should do this? And yes. then I knew like, okay, there, and not everybody can go on this journey with you. Sometimes it's just you and your no. husband and sometimes your kids right. can't even, I mean, we put AJ through right. so many different journeys, right? And he was just disappointed right. that at some point, we didn't tell anyone when we adopted Vivi. We didn't tell anyone. And the family was actually kind of mad at us. But you stop wanting to put them through it as well. You realize that the grace is probably for you. Right. And then you don't want to keep having to ask, answer questions over and over again. Because they're constantly, well, what's going on with the adoption? Or what's going on with this? You, you already live in it every minute, every second of the day. So every time someone else asks you, you have to go through that all over again. So it just, after a while, you just learn. And I didn't tell Cardi because Cardi's been asking for a sibling since he could talk. So I definitely was not going to put him, because I can, I can get through it, but he, he wouldn't be able to do that. So I wasn't going to tell him. So we didn't tell, I didn't tell anybody. So basically 
the week that everybody went on vacation, I used that time for practice. I didn't buy anything. I had, I went through Carter's stuff because a lot of his stuff was gender neutral. So I went through his stuff and, you know, started um, washing clothes, you know, different things like that. But I didn't, I just took that week to breathe. So the next week, they call and they say, can you Zoom call? So we Zoom and we meet her. And she's absolutely amazing. Like, You loved her. I expected it to be very gloomy and dark. And it wasn't that at all. Like, when we um, got on the call, she was like, hi, how are you? We were like, we're good. How are you? Like, she was like, just ready to get this over with, da 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 um, whatever you want, we'll do whatever you want. And I'm like, but this is you. Like we, we're going to do, we're here to support you. So she, she really didn't have a lot of questions. She just, she just wanted a family for her child. Um, she, her desire was never to be a mother. Her words, she's a really good aunt and, and that's what she wanted. So Mm -hmm. what state, same state? No, Alabama. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you're going to travel too. Yes. Okay. And did she tell you the due date at this point? I can't believe that you didn't even know. So this was on a Thursday. So in conversation, talking to her, she had just went to the doctor and the doctor told her that she was going to, he was, she was going to come back on Tuesday. And if she didn't go into labor on her own, he was going to induce her. And I was like, wait, you mean Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? <laughs> like five days from now? And she was like, yeah. And, and she like, was like, yeah. <laughs> wait, what? So I'm like, but surely this is her first baby. You know, it, it yeah, it'll be, take a while. It'll take a while. It, it won't be that way. Surely. So I still didn't have a car seat, any of that. And I didn't order a car seat until Sunday because I was like, um, I'm just not going to jinx it. I'll order it. And if something happens, I can send it back. Mm -hmm. So we get to Tuesday and she goes to the doctor. She has to wait in the line for a long time, but she goes to the doctor and they tell her to come back Tuesday night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and how far a drive is that for you? Three and a half hours. Okay. That's not bad. No. So we do our, our placement meeting and finish our paperwork. And she says, you know, this is her first baby. So it'll probably take a while. Cause I was going to work because I knew once I went to Alabama, I wasn't going to be able to come back home. So I was going to just get some clients out of the way. And we were going to leave. It's a, a, an hour difference. So we were going to leave it from Georgia at like 12 o'clock. So I wake up Wednesday morning and I get, and I had already packed my son's bag because he was going to my godparents and I packed my bag, but I wasn't in a hurry. I just was like, we're just going to see. I wake up to a text and it says she is six minutes, six centimeters dilated. Oh my gosh. If you're not on the road, you might want to get on the road. So your clients are not getting their hair done. No, no one's getting their <laughs> hair done today. I am on my way to drop my son off to my godparents' house 
and my husband is at a client's house. She kicks him out, says she's paying him today. Don't worry. So we drive separately. Oh, my gosh. To Alabama. Okay. Because we're nowhere near each other. Tell us what it was like when you walked into the hospital. We walk into the hospital. Well, first of all, I'm scared because I, I'm, I had a C-section, so I don't know anything about how fast it takes you to dilate. Oh, right. So I'm thinking if she's at six, it's not going to take that long to get at 10 to 10. But she told the doctor that she was not having her the baby until we got there. So they wanted to break her water and she wouldn't let them. Aww. So she waited for us to get there. No way. So we, yes, she waited. I didn't even know that you could do that. <laughs> that is like so sweet. You know, it's just everything is so selfless. Everything. That she is giving this baby life, that she, you know, is respecting you guys as the parents, that she's waiting to deliver her baby till you get there. I mean, that's just incredible. Very. Like, I could, if I would have written this down and asked God himself, it would not have been this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. It still would not have been this. See? So, and everybody that's we, listening, want to encourage you again, don't give up. No. I know there's a lot of grief. I know that there's times when the door is shut in your face, but if you don't give up, your baby is coming. Yes. And you will have a, a story that's amazing. You yes. will. And you'll look back and you'll go, oh, April was right. Yes. I'm so glad I didn't give up because here's my baby. And then you're going to write in and you're going to be on the show. Right. So it's it all works out. It all works out. <laughs> okay. So this is like absolutely amazing. Like it's like storybook. So tell me about the first time you saw her. So we walk into the room and she says, okay, let's get this party started. The parents are here. And we're like, what? <laughs> so we get there at like 11 and um. The only people that are in there are us and her social worker, my social worker. Her sister wanted to come and she wouldn't let her sister come because her sister was trying to talk her out of it. And uh-huh. um, she she wouldn't let her come. So we are there for, we get there at 11. She starts pushing around 1 o'clock, 1.30. By 2 o'clock, she's here. My husband cuts the cord, and I hold her for the first time. Oh, my gosh. Were you bawling? No. I I, I don't think I had any more tears. <laughs> what? I was not. <laughs> I was just so... I was frozen. Amazed. I'm sure you were yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, did she know your story about the twins? Yes. Because, you know, you do... She saw our book. We did like a okay an electronic. So she saw our book. So she knew, she knew all of that. And what's crazy is, so I have a favorite aunt, and I named Carrington Grace was her name, and I named her after my aunt. My my mother took care of my aunt until the end, and she was so concerned for my mom to get here because she knew we were having twins. So my aunt passed away the month before I gave birth to the twins. And I just realized that Charlie was born on my aunt's birthday. Oh, my gosh. So you named her Charlie. I named her Charlie. Well, we named her Charlie. Actually, birth mom named her. She wanted her name to be Charlie because she said Charlie and Carter went together. 
and Aww. she liked gender neutral names. And if I had another name picked out, but when she said that, I just took my middle name and her first name, and her name is Charlie Blake. Oh my gosh, that is so cute. And this picture that I'm gonna post is just so precious. Like, what did Carter do when he saw her for the first time? He was so in love. First of all, we didn't tell him, but I guess he saw the car seat when my husband brought it back with him. And he kept telling my godparents, I think they're going to get my sister. They're not telling me, but I think they're going to get my sister. <laughs> so she texted me. She was like, I think Carter knows. I heard you talking. He's something. on to you. Because he is <laughs> already right. So. Oh, I just I was, love this so much. Yes. And the picture is so beautiful. I mean, they actually look like they could be siblings. Right. Right. Like they look alike. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just their happy eyes, mm -hmm. but they are just like so precious. Yeah. And when did you finally cry? Like, did you ever? No, I, I, I think it will eventually happen. Like I look at her and I, it's, it's a prayer in real time is what I call her. Like, because when you pray for something for so long and you want something for so long, I I don't I don't know. I just haven't I, I guess it'll come one day. I'm just in so much amazement and awe right now. I don't know. She's six months old now. So uh and you have an open adoption? We have an open adoption. We talk often. I email her and text pictures and um she has two teeth now, so that was the last picture that I sent her. But I don't, I, I don't, like I said, I couldn't have asked for a better situation if, if, if I asked myself because it, it was so smooth. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And did birth mom cry at all? Did she ever show that maybe she felt grief? Not to us. Okay. We had a room right next to each other the whole time. So she would come back and forth. She never held her. I think in the end, she said she had some um postpartum but she thought it was mostly her her hormones mm -hmm. but she said she didn't really cry over the situation like she the night that she left she snuck and came in our room with a letter and she has this letter that she wrote us um and wrote to charlie which we have for her baby book so Every time I, I not ask her often how she's feeling, and, I, and I'm sure she's went through her own grief, but um, and and will continue to. Um, but she says this is the decision that she made, and birth father signed his rights as well, so he never had to worry about that. Um, and they both made the decision. So wow, I'm sure that she felt joy too that she was a part of your story that she was giving you the gift that was ultimately going to heal your heart from the loss. Right. I mean, it's such right. an honor. She tells people, she tells people she was a surrogate. Yeah. And I'm like, girl, she's like, <laughs> and some, some birth mothers actually feel that way. They feel that when they have a baby and they place the baby that they, the baby was always meant for the other family. Some birth moms do not feel that way, but some do. They're like, I was meant to get pregnant and give you this baby. And they just feel strongly that that was what was meant to be. And it sounds like she's kind of on that uh, mind frame and, and thinks that way. Yes. And some women don't 
want to be mothers. It's true. Um, it's true. And I think we assume in a society that because you're a woman and, and that's an, a gift that we all, we can, that we give life, that they assume that everybody wants that. But some women don't want that. It's so true. That's, it's just not their desire. And we have to we have to understand that and respect that. Yes. When I say to people, I never wanted to be pregnant. People just think that I'm making that up. Like they're, they're just can't, that can't be. And I'm like, no, I always knew I was going to adapt. I always did. And then some people will be like, well, is it because you went through infertility and you just made that decision? No, I knew that I knew that I knew. I, I just felt it deep within me that I wasn't going to carry children. And it wasn't because I couldn't, it was because my calling was adoption. And I had to find somebody to marry me that would accept that, you know, and right. I mean, ultimately it right. worked out, but that is just the true nature of how I felt. So respecting that not all women want to take the same journey is really important in this process as well. One last question yeah. I have for you. Okay. Uh, you said when you wrote in that we helped fund your adoption and I want people to hear how we did that. Cause we didn't necessarily give you money, but no, tell us. So because during COVID, all I had was time. So I did tons of research. But when I would listen to your podcast, like you had both hands that, um, mm -hmm. remember? Yes. Um, with JT. Yes. So basically what that is, is they do widows and they do orphans. So you do work for a widow and you in turn raise money for your adoption. So I called them and you had um, gift of adoption on. Yes. So all these people helped you. I love this. And you had. Oh, my gosh. See, there are ways. Yes. And we we raised $28,000 in two weeks. <gasps> oh, my gosh, Sharon. That's amazing. This story is so great. It really is so great. And I thank you for writing in. I thank you for taking the time and. If you want to know more about Sharon, you can check her out at Unwanted Sisterhood Podcast. Thank you again. Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you have an adoption story you'd like to share, please email us at afallon at adoptionnowpodcast.com. Please subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media. Thanks for joining us on your adoption show. See you next episode. <laughs>